Hello, hello. You are listening to the On My Own Terms podcast, and I am the creator and host, Brittany Pope. Thank you so much for tuning in. In this episode, I am discussing healing and recovering from the internet and social media. What prompted me to discuss this topic on my podcast is that I feel like we are now in a time here in 2017 where we are finally able to kind of see and have a clearer understanding of the effects, consequences, whether they be good or bad, and implications of having an online presence. So a quick backstory on me is I've been creating online content or have created like online profiles at least from like 2000. 2003, 2004, somewhere in there. Like there was always different social media sites, even before social media really became a thing. And I kind of would make profiles. And this was before it was even easy to get a picture of yourself onto your computer. Like I still remember the process of, of trying to create profiles and, um, having to make sure that the scanner worked so that I could scan a physical picture and then have something to post on the computer. So now <laughs> to go from from it being that difficult essentially to literally like you can post pictures, no worries. Like it's it's huge to see that that jump in in a relatively short amount of time, I think. Um but yeah, I've always been on the internet uh, and I've always been intrigued by the internet. I always saw the internet as this amazing tool that you could use to connect you with people all over the world. And it's one of the things that I personally embrace about the internet. But I will say, um, like, I think the age of social media really started to get going during the MySpace times. And I feel like MySpace was really huge like the very end of 2006. And I think I had one until like maybe 2009. If that, I may have, I may have gotten rid of it in 2008. I'm not sure exactly, but that was like, to me, the height of you really, like, I remember I taught myself how to manipulate and create HTML codes because I wanted to have a really cool MySpace page. And, you know, it's just funny to me that that was like the time where my generation, I'm 27 now, so that was the time, to me at least, when my generation was really online and creating a presence and not thinking about what this could mean in the future. I can 100% tell you that I did not create a MySpace page thinking about what, um, what the future implications of that could be. I don't think anyone did. I think it was cool. It was fun. It was the popular thing. Everybody was doing it. So you just kind of join in. And I think now, you know, once MySpace kind of went belly up and then Facebook got big and then Instagram got huge and you just see the emergence of all of these different social media platforms kind of coming into play. This was also the time or around the time when blogging started to get big. And when blogging really started taking off, I think that was 
the moment when we kind of, as a collective society of young people on the internet, started to feel like, okay, you know, I can carve out a space for myself on the internet where I get to share my face and my fashion or my thoughts or my skills, talents outside of like message boards and forums, because I think that was where a lot of us were before blogging became huge. We were on chat rooms and forums and message boards talking and sharing. And then that was like, that was our thing. So, you know, I feel like none of us were thinking about, um, what this could mean or what it would mean for some of our futures. You have people who started their blogs in like 2007, 2008, who are now full-fledged. I'm just going to speak from the experience of fashion because that's what I know the most about. But you have fashion bloggers from back then who are now like, they have their own fashion brands, like they have their own clothing companies. They have been able to parlay that small blog into something huge. And again, like, Nobody in 2007 was starting a fashion blog thinking that this would happen. But now, you know, after seeing it happen for so many people or, or bloggers becoming influencers and, and really making a professional niche for it and, and, and people, you know, making it into a business and, and thriving, a thriving business off of it. You know, now somebody in 2014 or 2015 can very intentionally say, I'm going to start a fashion blog because my end goal is to grow a following, become an influencer, create a clothing brand, and see how far that takes me, right? Like in 2007, it was fun. It it just seemed like a thing to do. In, In 2014, it's now like a business model. It's a plan. So, you know, that's just a little bit of my personal backstory online and, and in my opinion, the evolution of how creating a presence online sort of became what it is now. So with that being said, I want to go ahead and get into a couple of points of discussion that I want to, to share. So the reason that I want to talk about healing and recovering from the internet and social media is because I would say within like the past year or year and a half, I've seen an increase in relatively young people, some older people quitting the internet or taking extended breaks or leaves of absence from the internet. And it's really interesting to me because it's like, how has this thing evolved so much so quickly to something that people have to quit or take an extended break from in order to feel like they can use it again? Because now we're in a time where the internet is a daily part of our life, right? So if you're quitting the internet or if you're quitting YouTube or quitting Instagram or whatever platform or quitting your blog or taking a break, like you're still using the internet. Like your use of the internet does not go away. Like I don't know how easy it is in the United States, at least for sure, to go an entire day without using the internet or needing to use the internet or some sort of technology to just get you from point A to point B, you know? 
I think that the internet and social media has become such an ingrained part of our daily lifestyle that it's really hard to get away from. So when I see an increase of people saying that they want to quit the internet or quit their social media platforms or they need to take a break to to get it together, you know, that is, for me, it, it makes me want to think about it from, I guess, just a larger or broader perspective and, and, and try to have a clearer understanding of why that is exactly. So as it relates to quitting the internet or your social media presence or platforms, I have come up with the top three reasons in my personal opinion as to why people feel the need to do this. And the first one or the first reason is that people feel like it's unhealthy for them. Like it is bringing out the worst in who they are, or either it is adding to anxiety or creating anxiety that they didn't have, or maybe they feel depressed or maybe they feel inadequate. And because it's just compounded feelings of not feeling good, they just walk away. So that's the first reason. The second reason is people seem to outgrow the internet or their social media presence. You have kids now um, creating, or I guess back then, you know, you have like, let's, let's say someone is 19 today in 2017. And so six years ago, they were 13 and they made a YouTube channel and they were talking about random 13 year old kids stuff. And now they're 19 and they just don't care about what they were talking about anymore, especially if they grew a little bit of notoriety or grew a bit of a following. Because I feel like, quick side note, I feel like it's really hard to evolve on the internet. Um, I think when people start liking you for a certain type of content and you outgrow it or you want to incorporate other interests into your content, that tends to turn people off. So if you outgrow the content that helped you get to where you are now, you're likely just going to walk away because people give you a lot of pushback when you try to incorporate things that are authentic to who you are now, and it's just not worth the fight. So I think people outgrow it because it kind of becomes a job, and if you are no longer passionate about what it is that you're creating, it's not gonna be fun anymore. Even if you're making fun, even if you're making money off of it, it's not going to be fun. So I think people just outgrow what they've created and therefore they feel it's best to walk away. And the final reason why I feel like people are more inclined to quit or walk away from their social media presence or online presence is because they are unsuccessful at it. Um, you have people now in 2017 who maybe tried to make something big and they started working on it in 2013 or 2014 and you know you're three to four years later and it hasn't grown or it hasn't made you any money or it didn't grow like you thought it was going to grow and it's just like why keep putting energy towards it if it's not going to do anything maybe my energy is better spent elsewhere so I'm just going to quit it. I'm going to walk away from it. And I think that's a pretty valid reason too. You know, it's kind of like, in my opinion, when 
when you start a business, when someone decides to maybe create a restaurant or something and they had all these big aspirations for it, they gave it their best, but it just didn't do well. So why are they going to keep struggling to make it work if it's clear that maybe for whatever reason, it's the cuisine in this particular neighborhood, on this road, all of these different variables and factors that add up to this isn't going to be a successful restaurant, so go ahead and cut your losses. I think that's how people are starting to view social media. You know, for for a while, I think it became a big thing to have like this online entrepreneurial presence. Like everybody wanted to start an online business, myself included. You know, I think it's because, you know, it, it, it feels like you can utilize the internet to really further yourself further your cause, further your personal interests, and potentially make money off of it. So I don't fault anyone for intentionally trying to be successful online because essentially most people want to be successful at something, whether that's an online business, whether it's their regular nine to five job, or whatever the case may be. People just want to be successful. So when they recognize or they get to this point where they're able to tell that it's not going to work, they just leave it. So those are my top three reasons of why I think people are quitting the internet right now. And I came up with two reasons, again, in my opinion, for why people take breaks or extended breaks from their online presence or social media presence. The first one is that they need to reassess. And I think that happens when you realize that you've kind of gotten caught up in the hype and you are creating or sharing content that doesn't feel true to who you know that you are anymore or who you want to be going forward. So people usually take a break to kind of reassess and create a different strategy to go back to creating content that feels authentic. The second reason uh, that I think people take a break is because they need to search for inspiration. As an inherently creative person, but also as a person who creates content online in a time where people are constantly being inundated and bombarded with new content. If you are not at the top of that content producing cycle, you are essentially going to be forgotten until you create something else. And when there is something that's like, it's it's like a pressure. It's kind of like for writers sometimes when you need to write something, like you have to write something, you have a deadline, you have something pressing and you have like the worst writer's block in the world. It's because there is something that is pushing you to create that doesn't feel good. And the same thing with content creation, you know, that requires ongoing sources of inspiration. And I think it is completely human to get to a point where you need to take a break from something so that you can just find some inspiration and feel inspired and bring that newfound inspiration into what you're creating because it gets old. Like again, going back really quickly to my point about people not wanting you to change online. 
Like there comes a point as a creator where what you're doing gets old or it's not challenging and you want to challenge yourself and you want to push yourself to create different things, to do different things. And, you know, if, if you're not feeling that inspiration organically, it makes sense to take a step back and take a break and go do whatever it is that you need to do. Soul searching, traveling, perusing Tumblr, I don't know whatever, to kind of get back to that feeling of like that inspired, passionate feeling of creating. Because to me, that's when the most beautiful and impactful content is created is when the creator is feeling that genuine inspiration. Okay. So again, really quickly to sum that up, I feel like there are Around five reasons why people are quitting or taking extended breaks from the internet and social media, which is the perfect segue. One of the points that I touched on um, in that is the perfect segue to another discussion point of mine, which is the mental health and physical health implications or impacts of social media or an online presence. So I want to talk about two trends that I've noticed that are huge right now. The fitness trend and the wellness trend. All about getting fit and self-care, which is all good and well and great. I personally don't have a problem with it. Like, I appreciate it. But I think that these are two great trends to bring up in this podcast to help get my point across about how social media and just being on the internet in general can negatively impact your mental health and physical health. So for instance, um, I was reading some article recently that came out that said Instagram is the most detrimental app, social media app to people's mental wellness and mental health and self-esteem. And I get it because There are, it feels like a billion different people on Instagram. It also feels like a billion other beautiful women with perfect bodies and perfect lives. And you see that and, oh my God, it makes you feel bad about yourself because you don't look like that or your life doesn't look like that or you can't afford to go take badass pictures in Bora Bora. Like it just... It's not feasible for you right now. And with fitness, you know, that's because I have really diligently started my fitness journey to reach my personal fitness goals over the past three months. I've like over the past year and a half, I've been working out consistently, but I didn't really factor in having a healthier diet and just being more intentional about my fitness goals until recently. So, you know, I I noticed myself like following more fitness accounts or profiles and I see these girls with these bodies that I think look incredible and now, you know, I'm giving 110% and my body still doesn't look like that and I started to feel bummed out because it's like I'm doing all this work, I'm following their program that they put online that they said that they do exactly and I don't look like that. And I had to really get clear with myself, like, Brittany, being physically fit and, and, and taking care of yourself is about the long-term positive effects on your health. 
It's not solely about your physical appearance and how you look. That comes secondary to just trying to take care of yourself so that you can live a healthier and therefore longer life. And then it's like, two, your body is different than their body. So even at your absolute best, say you ate everything, like you had this perfect nutritional diet Um, you did the perfect exercises, still your body may not ever look like theirs because their body is created differently than your body. And you have to be okay with that. And then that helped me because I started getting down on myself and I realized, wow, you know, Instagram is beautiful because in one sense, it connects me to all of these other women who inspire me to do better and to be better. But if I'm not making sure that I control the narrative around these profiles that I'm seeing, then it's just going to negatively impact me and I'm going to be worse off than I was before. So I think when people start to realize that there is a vast disconnect sometimes between their real life and what they see online, it can definitely have a lasting negative impact on how they evolve moving forward, or it can have an extremely detrimental impact short term. You know, you have people who probably, I'm sure, have committed suicide or um, fallen into very severe states of depression or have eating disorders now or mental health issues because of what they're seeing online. And, you know, that's something that I think even 10 years ago when people were creating profiles, like online profiles, that they would have never imagined happening because now you have access to the best of the best of the best at the finger, at your fingertips at any given point in time during the day. And I don't know how healthy that is. It's a little bit easier for me to control as a 27-year-old who remembers life before this, but I can't say that it's that easy to control if you're 15 or 16 and this is pretty much all you've ever known. And it's it's really, uh, it's it's sad, I think, to start to see now, especially in 2017, how it's, negatively impacted so many people. And you see all the, uh, not all these, but like a lot of young people coming out and saying why they're leaving their social media profile that has all these thousands of followers or their YouTube channel that has all these thousands or millions of subscribers. And they say it's because they have essentially created a life on lies. Like they either hurt themselves financially to appear a certain way, or they hurt themselves physically to appear a certain way. So it's just kind of like this revolving door of negativity that I don't think anybody thought of. I don't think that the creators, the original creators of Instagram thought like we're going to create something that would eventually become the most detrimental social media app out there. Like, I don't think that there was, that was their intention. I think there wasn't, I think the 
initial intention was to create an app where people all over the world could share pictures about their experiences, not where people all over the world can share pictures of their amazing bodies and create an entire life off of being popular on Instagram. I don't think anybody thought of that. Which, again, is another perfect segue into my third point of discussion, which is it's kind of like two-in-one. So the inability to be forgotten and creating an online presence before understanding long-term wants, desires, or implications. So the thing is, too, now on the internet, it's pretty much impossible to be forgotten. If you have created any sort of social media profile, it's out there. You know, I think um, I think it's possible to deactivate. I think it's possible to delete, like some companies say. But in most terms and conditions, you are signing over your right to your own content to the creators or owners of these apps and social media these social media platforms. So therefore, if you're signing over your right and agreeing to these terms and conditions, you don't know what exactly is happening to your content that you've shared and since decided to delete. Maybe it's just a picture of you and your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend that you don't want out there. And sure, maybe it's actually deleted from your Facebook or your Instagram, but who knows if it's really deleted and Furthermore, when you put something online, you run the risk of people screenshotting it or saving it, and you didn't even know that they would do that. You know, when I created my blog, and I've kind of had blogs on and off since 2007, I didn't think of my stuff being potentially saved online. I just was like, in my mind, I want to create a space for myself online. I want to create a community. I want to share about fashion and experiences and my thoughts and opinions. And that was just it. I didn't think about how it could affect me later on in life. And that isn't to say I've always been, I think, pretty smart about what I put online. And as a creative person and as what I consider myself, first and foremost, a writer, I stand by anything that I put out and I believe that people are allowed to change and evolve. And, you know, I think that that's a luxury that the internet doesn't really afford people. It's because it's like, if you've put something out there online, which kind of goes back to the inability to be forgotten, like maybe it was five years ago and you were upset about something and you just tweeted a tweet that in in 2018 is going to be super politically incorrect and you just had an opportunity to be a part of an ad campaign and now that tweet from you know several years ago is going to be brought up and potentially used against you it's wild to me you know i feel like it's it's tough because I think that there are people too who want to be on the internet, but they are definitely more forward thinking and that they don't want, they don't know how their image could be used or how what they said could potentially be twisted or contorted. 
uh, or judged and potentially used against them. You know, I, th- I think it's just there are people who want to be online, but they just they want to also be able to be forgotten. And that doesn't really exist anymore. That anonymity doesn't exist. And before this generation, this millennial generation, people were able to be forgotten if they wanted to be quote unquote insignificant or anonymous, they could be. And now everything's attached to you. All of this data about you is constantly being collected and compiled and used in ways that you have no idea about. And we may not find out what any of this means, all these cookies, all of you know, these terms and conditions and agreements that we didn't read, but we clicked agree to anyways. Like, we don't know what that may mean six years down the road because everything is evolving and changing so quickly. So it's it's still so hard to have a, a true grasp on potential repercussions and consequences for just being online. And even if you're not creating a social media presence, but just using the internet, um, who knows? You know, it's, it's definitely a time where, at least for me as an, as a content creator online, I just have to hope for the best, right? And, and be prepared to, um, defend anything that I've shared. And I think everybody runs that risk. And I think you have people online who don't necessarily want to be famous, but they want to be able to create online or have a small community or connect with other people around the world. They don't necessarily want to be the next big celebrity. So it's, it's like trying to find this fine line of giving people the latitude and capacity to share and to be online, but to also be forgotten and you know, I think the other thing too, and I touched on it at the the beginning of this topic or this point of discussion, is that when you're young, like say between 11 and 14 is now the age where kids have social media profiles usually, like you don't know your long-term wants or goals you're, you're not clear on that yet. You just know that everybody has an Instagram or everybody has a Snapchat. So I want to be like everybody and I'm going to create one and I'm going to share what other people are sharing. But you don't know if in like 15, well, not 15, but probably like more like 35 years, if you're going to want to run for president or run for public office, like you don't know what that could mean for your future because you're 13 and you just want to be online. Like you don't, you're not thinking about potentially being a governor or the president of the United States. You're not thinking about it, you know? And so I feel like when you are sharing things online, especially at a young age, you are creating a tether that you can essentially never really cut. Like it's always going to be associated with you. And it's kind of scary because people, again, they change, they evolve, their views change. Even if they were at one time offensive, their views change. And I'm one of those people that I feel like whether I agree with what you have to say or not, it is still your right to say it. 
It is your right to voice your opinion, whether you want to voice it online or or voice it just in person. Like it's your opinion, it's your right. And I don't have to agree with it, but I also want that same right and courtesy extended to me. So it's also not fair to assume that just because somebody felt one way 10 years ago, that they still feel that same way 10 years later, because a lot of growth and change happens in 10 years. So that too is, I, I think, something that people will potentially have to heal and recover from moving forward is how did what I shared in my past as a young person potentially affect me as an adult? Is it something that I can get away from? Is it something that I want to get away from? Is it something that I want to learn from? You know, there's there's just so many different angles and perspectives to look at um, how we have shared things in our past. I know for me, one of the things that I love about the internet is that it's a way to chronicle growth and evolution. But whether that is seen as a positive thing to other people in the future, who knows? It's all up in the air. And that leads me to my next point, which is something that I find interesting too, is that we are now living in a time I think if you've had a kid since probably 2014 to 2015 and you have social media presence, we are living in a time now where people are raising their children online. And it's funny because, or I guess not funny, um, it's interesting, I should say, because My generation, like I guess the millennial generation, was not raised online. We grew up with the internet and having access to the internet, but we didn't start creating social presences on social media until at least 15 years old, 14, 15, pretty much for most of us, simply because they didn't exist and it was really complicated to just do basic things online. Um... So now you have kids who are growing up in a time where it's super easy to be online, but you have parents who love social media, who are putting their children all over the internet. And these kids don't have a say because they are babies or they're toddlers and they don't understand what is happening. They don't understand that their image is being broadcast to potentially millions of different people. They don't understand that their parent thought this mo- this moment was funny and they captured it online and they shared it and it's not going to go away. It's I don't I don't want to say disturbing because for instance, like there are a couple of people who I follow online prior to them having kids and then they have kids and then they share a you know, stuff on their Insta story or Instagrams or YouTube about their children. And it's like, I'm excited because it's like, I get to see this cute baby grow up. And, you know, it, it, it makes me feel torn because on the one hand, you know, I'm like glad that the parents are sharing tidbits about how their kid is growing up because I love the parents. I love their relationship. And, 
now, you know, they have this beautiful little baby and it's so cute to watch babies grow. But then it's like, is it fair to this child? They don't have a say in what's happening to their image. And you have a lot of parents now who are creating Instagrams, Instagram profiles or, or buying website URLs and all these different online presences or things for their kids. And it's like, what happens? I guess we won't know for probably another 10 to 15 years, but what happens when these kids grow up and feel upset that so much of their childhood was shared online without their permission? They are not in control of their images, you know? And I think you have parents, their intentions are good, right? Like, I don't think that most parents are sharing things online hoping to hurt their children in the future. They just want to connect. They just want to share. They think it's cute. It's funny uh, that, you know, their kid did this and it's funny. I want to share it. I want my child's video to go viral, you know, whatever. Like it's, it's, I don't know if it's going to be scary, if it's going to be great, or what kind of um, potential mental health impacts this may have on this next generation of kids who are growing up in social media. You know, it's it's just interesting to me to see how they may potentially be affected. And then you also have parents who are popular online, but they don't, like, they'll let you know that they had a kid. And they may post the occasional picture or video of their child, but they're a lot more cautious and they're thinking of how this could potentially make their child uncomfortable in the future. And I don't want it to seem like I'm saying that certain parents are better than other parents or certain parenting styles are better than other parenting styles. I just think it's interesting. And I look forward to seeing what this may mean in the next 10 to 15 years. And, you know, it's it's interesting because it's like also in 15 years, who knows how social media will have evolved or if it'll even still matter. Like, will Instagram even matter in 15 years? Did you make this Instagram profile for not? Like, who knows? You know, it's... Because I feel like when it comes to the internet, it's always changing. Like everything is so fast. And so just because you're hot right now doesn't mean or guarantee that you're going to be hot in three more years. Or it's just the landscape is changing so fast and so unpredictably that who knows, maybe the next trend will be just not being online at all. I, I, it's, it's just interesting. I, again, I'm just, I utilize this podcast, the On My Own Terms podcast. I utilize it as an avenue to kind of talk out loud and put my thoughts out there for discussion and to maybe get other people thinking about different things in different ways and different perspectives. That is it. So again, because I know people get really touchy when it comes to talking about parenting, especially from people who aren't parents. And I am not a parent. I'm just saying I think it's interesting. And that's it.
Okay, and lastly, um, I, I want to kind of put this question out there. Is it possible to configure or tailor your online atmosphere in a way that promotes sustainable mental and physical wellness? And I ask this question because I feel like it is so important for us to take care of ourselves and to take care of our minds. If you have ever been in a time in your life where you have had like extreme anxiety or depression, you know, it is, it is one of the most suffocating feelings that you can ever experience. And now in a time where everybody seems to have the perfect life on social media, online, or there's all this awful stuff that's happening in the world and you just can't get away from it because you are using, because you are using the internet. It just can become overwhelming. And I just think, I just ask myself, like, is it possible to curate your online experience to promote optimal wellness for yourself? You know, I, I find myself unfollowing accounts or, you know, changing different websites that I get for news or, or just looking in different websites to kind of just take care of myself because I don't want to be sad all the time. If, and it's so easy to be sad all the time because you are constantly hearing about all the awful things that are happening in the world. You know, so that's, that's one side of it. It's like, I don't want to be sad all the time, but I also don't know how healthy it is to create an atmosphere online where it's so perfect for you that you don't know what's going on outside of it, right? Like I I personally want a healthy balance. And I think the beauty of creating balance, if if it even exists, is that you get to decide for yourself what that balance feels like or what it looks like or, you know, what that is for you. I think it's very relative. So if it is indeed possible to do this, is it something that you are open to doing or implementing into your daily online life? Because we all have one. And I think that while it's still early to see or while it's still early in and recognizing and understanding implications of having an online presence and being on social media, I don't think that it's too early to take a step back and look at how being online is affecting you because ultimately you need to be doing well. You need to be healthy. Like you want to have a long life. You want to feel good. You want to feel happy. So I think if we're going to be particular in areas of our life offline, like what we're wearing, what our house looks like, or how we take care of ourselves or who we hang out with, I think it's just as important to be just as discerning, if not more, because we spend so much time of our lives online. Like, I think it's important to make it a healthy and safe space too, so that we are not, you know, in this state of constantly trying to heal and recover from what we see online. So 
Anyways, I think that is a great stopping point. I think uh, this was a really fun conversation to have out loud on my podcast. And I hope that it has made you think. Because that's the point, again, of this podcast is to get people thinking about things and get people to recognize that they have a responsibility to themselves to make educated decisions about their beliefs, about their truths, and to give them or to give yourself the space and the latitude and the capacity to grow and evolve and expand and broaden your horizon, your horizons and your thinking. So anyways, thank you, thank you, thank you a thousand times over for listening. And I look forward to the next podcast. So again, this has been On My Own Terms with Brittany Pope. Bye.